and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Sarah Kachansky. With International Women's Day having just passed, in today's Fintech Insider, we're going to be talking all about women and diversity in fintech. It's no secret that financial services has traditionally been a very male space, and although the tide is turning, progression has been slow. So what's the future of diversity in fintech? To help answer that question, I'm joined in the studio today by three wonderful women of fintech. First up, we have Charlotte Crosswell, CEO of Innovate Finance. How are you today, Charlotte? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming along. Also uh, making a return visit to the show is Wincy Wong, head of the Rose Review Implementation at NatWest. How are you today, Wincy? Really well, thank you. Thank you for coming along. Um, and making her Fintech Insider debut, we have with us Evelina Vrabi, CTO of Toucan. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Okay, uh, let's get started. Welcome to the show. So this episode of Fintech Insider Insights is all about women and diversity in fintech. Uh, Charlotte, it seems a good place to start by talking about some of the amazing things that Innovate Finance is doing in the space. Um, particularly, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Women in Fintech Initiative, the Women in Fintech Powerlist. Um, you know, first of all, what are they? Uh, where did it come from? And, and what's the purpose of those initiatives? Um, yeah, many thanks. It's you know, Since Innovate Finance started, we, we always believed in true diversity across all teams. And that's you know, predominantly led by gender diversity, but full inclusive teams. Um, and we felt there was a role to play, especially when we started quite a few years ago, of bringing the amazing women in fintech together. Um, and there are many of them. You know, it's been amazing when we started that list. And it started with sub 100 people. You know, this year we had over 600 nominations to the Women in FinTech Power List. So it's about different events, um, workshops, podcasts, you know, profiling the great women in FinTech, but also bringing them together as part of an ecosystem in whichever part of that ecosystem you're at, whether it's the FinTechs themselves, whether it's the banks, whether it's professional services, um, even government um, and, uh, and regulators. So what we did is we said, you know, once a year, let's bring those women together and let's celebrate them into something called the Power List. And that's grown and grown and grown. Um, and now it gets fully independently judged. In fact, one of the judges is Wincy here. Um, and Hello. this year, there was a total of 200 people named in the Women in Fintech Power List. We had to go up slightly last year because the judges found it really tough. Um, and it's about looking at the top 200 people. There's so many other amazing women out there and you look at some of those nominations, just incredible people there. So even the nomination process is quite tough. And as part of that 200, we also say, well, where's the standout 35? You know, so that's across a various amount of sectors. So one of those is tech. Um, and so Evelina was part of that standout 35 in the tech side of, uh, of fintech. So it's about you know, celebrating, it's about highlighting, it's about promoting and actually also inspiring others to come into the fintech sector and actually say just because fintech is finance and tech, it's still, it's still there and totally available to women and you know, we hope to inspire many others. Brilliant. Um, and Evelina, uh, Charlotte mentioned there that you were on this year's Standout 35. Um, you know, congratulations. First Thank of you. All. Thank you. Um, what, does it, what does it mean for you to sort of have that recognition? Well, I was uh, extremely surprised. Um, and obviously, I'm very grateful and, and honoured to be uh, in the power list. Uh, like you mentioned, there are so many other women in tech and fintech doing amazing things. So I was completely blown away. <laughs> um, and uh, it means a lot to me because um, it's one of the few awards that I got uh, Pursuing awards was never my um, passion, so to speak, but um, it feels good that after 12, year, 12 years in tech, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I uh, 
especially with the work that we're doing at Tukan, that starts uh, to become more and more visible and, and uh, people are celebrating us. So I'm really grateful. That's one of the things I like about the list as well, is that there are plenty of uh, women out there who are whose faces are known, whose voices are known, whose opinions are known. Um, but actually, the list is almost more about ignoring, well, not ignoring them, but celebrating other women, other faces, you know, people who, who aren't on a podcast every week or on a panel every week or, you know, who, who are doing great work in, in the background and just getting on with it without looking for that recognition. So, I mean, I think, you know, as you said, it's taken 12 years, but absolutely well earned. Yeah, thank you. And and again, I'm really, really happy and grateful. So thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> and, and it would be remiss of me to move on without mentioning the two uh, ladies we have at 11FS exactly. who are on yeah. the list. So Laura, our producer of this podcast, who's sitting in the corner of the room, is going to go bright red now. <laughs> um, she um, is a, another uh, lady who does amazing work, but perhaps doesn't get the recognition that, that some other people do. And of course, Lida, um, who runs our Foundry product as well, who is, um, you know, outstanding. And she's been in this, this game for a long time. So huge, huge range of women on that list. Um, and um, it's amazing to see some new faces and some new names. And it's just amazing when people get nominated of how much work and attention goes into nominating people. And that's what I love. You know, this isn't about, you know, just sitting there with a PR agency filling it in because good chances the judges are, are going to see through that. This is people who are talking from the heart, whether they're self-nominating and trying to tell us say what they are. But in most cases, you know, being nominated by either their firms, their friends, um, and anyone around it. I mean, you know, one this year even had their mother took to social media to <laughs> congratulate and say how proud she was of her daughter. I thought, how amazing is that to sit there and, you know, from, from something we didn't just started just a few years ago to get to that point. So uh, we love all the support, but thanks for the nominations as well. Well, so next, next year you're going to need a list of, what, 300, 400 women? Oh, you know, it keeps going at this rate. <laughs> and I can tell you, no I can complaints. honestly say, I mean, there were some very spirited conversations in the judging. <laughs> so um, there were, we, we definitely poured through those nominations in quite a lot of detail. So um, well done, <laughs> definitely. I'm very glad I'm not a judge. That's what I, <laughs> I, know. I know, I was like, where's Charlotte in here? Why isn't she here? She's taken herself out of the process, recused herself. <laughs> All right, um, let's get a little bit uh deeper into perhaps some of the broader issues of, um, you know, around diversity and gender diversity in industry. So um, where are we currently when we're talking about diversity in fintech? Is there, you know, are there, are there any numbers that anybody calls to mind? I'm not necessarily always, you know, hung up on stats, but does anybody have any yes. off the top of their head? Go for it, Wincy. Oh, I love numbers. I'm a banker. <laughs> um, uh, so, so certainly, um, uh, I was uh, interrogating the Wise reports, which I look at every year um, in quite a lot of detail. And I think in 2019, it came out that for the very first time, at least for science, technology, engineering, maths roles for STEM, we have over a million women working in those roles, which mm-hmm. is woohoo, amazing. Is that the UK across or the UK? The UK, okay, across the UK, which is great. However, if you look at just tech in the last year, the UK added sixty thousand new jobs that are tech, uh, pure tech roles. And out of that, only 16% were filled by women. Those are new roles. Mm. And that is down year on year because the year before was 17%. So it is in a worrying trajectory. Um, so what that means is that even though the UK is adding a lot more jobs, and there's a lot of talk about that need for more tech talent, all of it is being filled by the men. So that is um, a a stark reality that we need to change. 
I mean, the official statistics that we use for fintech, and there's lots of different sources of this, is it's approximately 29% of the sector is women. Um, and that's across, yeah. all, that's not just pure tech, that's across so all that's roles. Fintech, that's yeah. fintech, yeah. It's 17% are founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and for female-founded businesses, it's only 3% of the money goes to female-founded businesses. Um, so, you know, 17%, 3%. You know, this year we've taken a slightly different cut on that statistics, and uh, 10% of the money goes if it's led by a female CEO or founder but the founder numbers are, are really not good and so what we're trying to do is inspire our next generation but how do you inspire them when VCs often have no women on investment teams and you know track record of women raising money is incredibly hard so you know lots of you know lots of good stuff to celebrate but also things we still have to pay a lot of attention to why, why do we think those numbers are going down? I mean, I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I love a stat too. And the stats we have are actually only from sort of the last three or four years. So trying to trying to look for a trend is, is quite tough, I guess, with only sort of three or four, four years worth of information for fintech particularly. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder if, um, I wonder what there are, you know, what's causing that slow movement if, in fact, it isn't just the fact that it's going to take time because four years isn't long enough for women to train up or to, to come through the educational process or to make a career change or, you know, there are other policies at play as well. You know, we, we talk quite a lot about the fact that to get women into the workforce full stop, you have to have a lot of other things in play, particularly affordable childcare, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I guess my question is, are there, are there any particular barriers that, that you've seen to, to stopping that number going up? Other than, as I say, just time, you know, it will take time for it to happen. It's not changing on its own, I feel, Mm. you know, so I think it's going to need more work. I think investment is is a large part of this and what I call relatable role models. You know, there's lots of amazing women out there um, who've gone through banking, who've said, you know, you can have it all. It's great. And then you look at their support networks behind them and it's pretty sizable, you know. Nannies, family, house husbands, etc. Um, you know, so we do need to make sure that we're making it relatable, and we also need to also show you know, to women that you don't have to have necessarily even that STEM career behind you. You mm-hmm. know, so we, you know, obviously that makes it a lot easier, and it's a great base. And we believe anyone should pursue STEM schools in school because all jobs are going to turn to digital at some point. But it's also saying if you don't, use the time to retrain. Go and learn how to code. Go and learn some of these careers, and look at the backgrounds of work, people working within the sector. And guess what? You find a very different background. You know, well, I, you know I did French. I was yeah, part, a, you know, sitting there, I haven't got a fintech background. There was no such thing as fintech. And there's lots of people out there. So I think we'd also need to highlight some of the people who have come through this and learned it along the way and have entered the sector. So I think that's a really good point. So um, around the table, I mean, um, so I did history at university. I started off working in educational publishing and I sort of fell into an assistance role at a fintech and, and I'm still here 10 years later. Um, <laughs> any, what, what, everybody else's background. Evelina, what's your, your background? Um, so uh, I have a computer science degree. Um, I didn't have much choice when I was growing up. My mother was always on the opinion that math and science is the way to go. So <laughs> that was uh, really early on uh, in my development. And then um, surprisingly, I realized that I like it. So I took it from there. Um, and it was also one of the um, things that helped me get out of a really tough um, family and financial situation growing up. So I had something to look forward. Um, it was really good for me. Uh, and in general, um, just to add on, on some of those numbers, um, 
in tech, especially uh, software engineering roles, women tend to drop early. And uh, even when you get into your 30, 35, um, you are more likely to get stuck in a junior role. So it means something happens to that pipeline that uh, very few women uh, get it to the top. So uh, the CTO um, (laughs) numbers uh, are are quite um, sad. Less than 6% of uh, all startups have a female CTO. So Uh, even lower than female founders is female yes, CTOs. Yeah. Um, there are some reasons for that in tech. I think they're getting better. So I've seen things change uh, in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, I've been here in the UK. I've seen I've seen good changes, but I think there's still a lot to to work. What are some of those changes you've seen? So what's what's got better? Um, first of all, uh, events like this. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> raising awareness, um, finding opportunities for for um, showing the good work that women do. And uh, it's not just because of their gender, just because they're really good at what they do. Um, sponsorship, I think, it's one of the areas where a lot of people uh, maybe... It's not so well uh, defined. Like we know mentoring helps, we know coaching helps, but sponsorship actually means doing a lot of networking, opening doors for women, um, and just having someone at the top um, help them um, on the onwards trajectory. So that's still very, very... uh, very few people do it. It seems to, to come down to um, at its you know at its crudest money. So women, female founders need investment, and actually you're talking about sponsorship. There, somebody you need somebody to pay to put on the event. You need somebody to to bring people together and to take that on. And that's never going to be free, I suppose, because if you're expecting women to do this on their own, to find the time to go and network, to find the courses and pay for themselves to go through the courses, to 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 go out and, um, you know, find mentors and spend time with them. There are going to be plenty of women who are driven enough to do that, but there's going to be a huge other group who perhaps don't have the resources available to them. So it sounds like actually what we could we could really do with here as well is just a lot more investment in women generally, perhaps by some of the larger organisations. Absolutely. Um, so from my, my perspective, I, I always had a penchant for, I was really good at maths, um, certainly had a penchant for math and science. I ended up being an accountant, <laughs> qualified accountant. And then I also went to night school and got a floral design certification. So, and, and you know, if I remember correctly, aren't you, a, aren't you a chef on the side as yes, well? Yes, yeah, okay. and I'm also a chef on the side. Um, so, so certainly a, a, a lot of things that um, you, do, you do and uh, very passionate about the small businesses as well. And one of the things that we, we did find, so, so I run the Rose Review, which is um, looking at that it was a study that was commissioned by HM Treasury for our uh, bank CEO, Elson Rose, to do a review on female entrepreneurship across the UK. And what we found when we launched the report last year was very much that only one third of all entrepreneurs are um, female led businesses. Uh, and if we were to allow women to start sustain and scale their businesses at the same rate as men, we would add 250 billion pounds to the UK economy, which is tremendous. Uh, and so so there is a business case and there is an objective. And I think that's probably why you're starting to see more draw through. One of the things we also found is that because women weren't studying tech to start with, that when they started businesses, they were also less likely to start tech businesses, much less fintech 
businesses Mm -hmm. where a lot of the money is um, being put towards. So financial services, tech, and manufacturing were where we found the least amount of women. And and that's not surprising because that's also where you see the biggest gender gaps, where you see a lot of issues um, in that space. So, So definitely there's a lot that needs to be done to try to correct that and support that. A lot of that is around investing in women. So recently we at the bank, we've, um, uh, or, or just a, as part of the Riz review, there's a huge thing about access to finance. So how do we support female entrepreneurs find that money? So we had um, launched the Investing in Women Code where nine of the banks have signed up. Uh, we have 22 signatories, which also include angels and VCs. And we've all agreed that we will actually disclose how much we're investing in women as a measurement, as a stake in the ground to see uh, over the years if we're making a difference. And we also, um, uh, which, which is a little bit strange for us, but we've also agreed to adopt and share best practices when it comes to investing in female entrepreneurs. So all of a sudden you have all the banks, um, of course, within the bounds of competition law, sharing actually what are the things we're doing to support female entrepreneurship, uh, of which the tech sector is keenly important because it is one of the most productive sectors and where a lot of investment goes. Um, Unfortunately, as all the stats show, very little investment does go to female entrepreneurs. So um, we talked back a bit there about entrepreneurship and, and founders and, and, and sort of starting companies. But what about um, within a larger organization? So, for example, you know, something something like NatWest, huge organization. Yes. Um, you know, how is it's just because there are plenty of women within NatWest. I mean, there are <laughs> there plenty are. of women within any any major bank you care to think about. But um, to Evelina's very salient point, they are generally in I know uh, NatWest is a complete exception to the rule with the CEO <laughs> but generally women are in more junior roles and generally um, women are, don't progress as quickly as men or they drop out um, you know take the childcare sort of issue out of that um, those therefore those companies could be described as diverse because they probably do have X number of women but the women are not being paid the same they're not being promoted um, and they're they're dropping out so that suggests to me that diversity in and of itself is not enough what else do we need to do? Just having the women there isn't working. How do we help the women within the organizations flourish, progress? And I think that's the the key, the, the flourish and progress part of it, because very much like Evelyn was saying, how many of them actually grow? So what we have is, is a fairly balanced workforce, but it's heavily weighted towards the, the lower end. And even with um, the anomaly we do have, um, which I'm, I'm sad to say it is an anomaly as well, is that Alison Rose is our CEO and we have Katie Murray as our CFO. So it's the first large major bank with a uh, all-female CEO, CFO team. And, um, uh, and we're not at the CTO stage yet, but we'll, we're working on it. But um, so <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't a job ad, was it? No, that wasn't, wasn't a job ad. Coach. Was <laughs> we do have a few female chief digital information officers, uh, uh, w- which is really positive steps. And what I would say that it, it doesn't happen on its own. It requires active, um, proactive management because study after study does say that more diverse leadership teams result in um, a higher propensity towards innovation, higher propensity towards um, better profits, uh, and all that study after study says that. So we have... Um, we, we started on this journey quite a while ago, probably almost a decade ago, I think, when it, even when I first joined a bank. And the first thing we did is said, let's measure. 
right? Like you said, data, stats, it's incredibly important. Let's put a stake in the ground. Let's see where we are, where our percentages are. And then we've worked on all kinds of programs since then with, um, and, and not just HR, because I think too often people expect that HR will just fix the problem, but actually in the businesses as well. And we had a target to reach um, 30% of our top 800 roles to be filled by women by 2020. And I'm really excited um, that we were able to smash that target and we got to 30 six percent so that in itself was really unusual we we are looking to get to parity as well um so there is more to do And, and what you'll see is that the a lot of the gender pay gaps arise because if you have um, um, men and women, at least for our organization, working in similar roles or similar gradings, actually the pay is fairly similar. The problem is that we don't have enough of the women in those upper roles. Mm-hmm. So the key is how do we actually do active management to literally go out there and pull women in for interviews and, and to bring them further up the ladder. So it sounds like um, you agree with the point that just having the women there isn't enough. We need to proactively do more to support them. Um, how about you, Charlotte? I, you know, where, where were you before you were in event finance, actually? Because I never finished asking you about your background. Um, yeah, so it's a degree in French, first job in fashion. Um, so come a long way. Um, it explains um, why you always look so stylish. And I always sit here in <laughs> jeans and jobs. Time ago, does. Time ago. It does um, make sense. And my first day in the city was temping on the floor of Goldman Sachs. Um, oh, gosh. So, uh, you know, it's a heck of a way to enter, yeah. enter the city. Um but yeah, so and then navigated various roles, mm-hmm. etc., and ended up traveling. Um, I didn't even get on a plane till I was 18 years old. You know, I grew up in a village of 500 people. Um, so yeah, so a million miles away. And yeah. I, I always remember that first day at Goldman, and there was 400 people on that mm-hmm. trading floor. And I'm going, wow, it's almost the size of my entire village you know, <laughs> on this floor. Um, you know, so and now I sit there and you know, obviously based over here in Broadgate, where you could, you know, four and a half million square foot around the yeah. estate. Um, you know, so it's been a really interesting career journey for me, lots of opportunities and, you know, just some amazing, amazing things. And, and you know, why is that? Why do some people get held back and some people don't? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it does come from within. You know, I think sponsors, mentors, coaches, you know, and those don't have to be official. I've never had an official mentor, but I've had an awful lot of people that I've sought out and supported me along the way. Um, and you and I didn't have a great you know, education either because when you come from that background, unfortunately, I didn't have a parent who believed in maths and science. Um, despite beating up my own daughter, I'm not sure that she will uh, be in maths <laughs> and science either despite me trying. Um, but you know, I think it is about, you know, it's encouraging the innovation, it's encouraging entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and sitting there saying, you know, and it might be coming from a financial situation and I was very similar, but it's also saying what's the art of the possible? And I think that's what we're moving to now is the more we can sit there and create that concept, the innovation on entrepreneurship and, you know, the purpose, you know, especially the purpose of financial services, and this is where fintech has a huge role to play, we think that that's what's attracting women into mm-hmm. the workplace. You know, within big organizations, and, and I agree with you, when it's led from the top and, you know, and it's led at the board level, at the exco, you, you notice women applying for those yes. jobs. You know, so mm-hmm. it actually, you know, and you go across the way, way and look at Starling and you mm-hmm. look at how many women Anne Bowden attracts mm-hmm. into, you know, into that um, environment. And we're the same, you know, hugely, you know, a huge amount of women working for Innovate Finance. So there's something about, you know, having the women at the top, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't wait. We don't want to rely on that, obviously. And I think it, it is about showing what you're trying to achieve. And that's what gets women excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, as an industry body, and I think what 11FS do is, you know, again, you're, because what we're trying to achieve is is quite significant. So, you know, for me, it's about the culture. It's about showing what's possible and ins- inspiring young people to come and work for you. 
But it can't just be the women and it can't just be calling it out on gender pay gap. It's got to actually be about, you know, is the culture of this organisation right to attract the next generation, whether that's male or female? Mm-hmm. And actually, if you look at, you know, you look at what men want now is they want to have time with their families. They want to be home in the evening. They want to spend time in the morning. So mm-hmm. we're seeing the shift change anyway. And I think we have to be careful not just to focus on women. It's bringing the men saying, look what you can have here. Because as soon as the, you know, as soon as the men start doing that, then the women don't feel that they're exceptional by asking mm-hmm. for it. It just becomes the norm. I mean, and that's, I'd like to pick on one of the uh, the points you, you made there about sort of um, leading from the top, but also kind of what excites women and the things you know. You know, there are very few people. Forgive me, Wincy, who think that you know stats and numbers, and I'm one of them, are exciting, whether male or female or otherwise. But the idea that you could innovate, that you could create something new, um, you know, Evelina Tokin is you're not. It's not just a female CTO. You're a female CEO and and founder as well. Yes, uh, we are very unusual in that we are three female co-founders. Um, and it, it happened. <laughs> we, we didn't start with this in mind. Uh, so our CEO, Bailey, uh, she worked in, in fintech um, for, for the last part of the decade. And our COO, Emily, worked uh, um, in fintech as well. I am the least fintechy of all the, the three. So my tech background is very varied. I worked in telecoms, I worked in retail, briefly uh, had a a fintech stint back in 2014, uh, and now I'm back uh, (laughs) here. But yes, we are are quite unusual. And and our head of design uh, also comes from fintech, and she's also a female. (laughs) Did did that, um, you know, when you were deciding whether to to, to join the others and, and, and found the company, did that inspire you? Was it the fact that there were other women there as well made you think, oh, I'm, I'm more attracted to this role than perhaps I might be somewhere else with a male team? Uh, like I said, we didn't necessarily start with this in mind. Mm-hmm. We were just looking for the best people for the job mm-hmm. and it happened that they were free and they were women. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we came together like that. And um, we were worried at some point, you know, we're on the other side of the diversity. But uh, we, yeah, you get we, in trouble for not having enough men. No, no, we're, we're uh, <laughs> counterbalancing quite well. We just hired two two new uh, male engineers, so mm-hmm. we're we're good. <laughs> Um, and with that in mind, just to move on, sort of perhaps um, another area that particularly I think you can talk to, Evelina, is that um, when you have women in those senior roles, and particularly you have women in those decision-making roles, the products and services that the company seems to prioritise and and uh, design and, and put out there can can be different. Would you say? Would you say it's a different lens? I mean, I just wonder if how much of what Tukan does. Um, we talk about Tukan quite a lot on the show. We've had Bailey on a few <laughs> times. Um, it's a fantastic app that it's basically helping people uh, with poor mental health manage their money. Um, but do you think that that diversity or and having a women's perspective in there shaped what the product looks like? And do you think that that's important to have that kind of other perspective? I think. Any product uh, should empathize with both sides of the equations. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're leaving half the market uh, out of your of your um, of your product. So, um, obviously, empathy first and, and um, user first is is core to what we do at Tukan. And um, I think we we bring a good balance between ourselves. So we do play devil advocates around the business aspects uh, and uh, the commercialization behind it. Um, so um, yeah, it's, being a woman doesn't doesn't really affect how you run. 
And that's an excellent point because um, because the reason it's really important. I think too often people say, oh, diversity, uh, women, gender issues, that's all CSR, kind of ESG kind of agenda type stuff. This is this is how we get a tax write off or or, or whatever. But actually, it's not. it, It makes business sense. Because you want to have people building products and services who are as diverse as your customer base. Mm-hmm. And certainly for a large corporation like NatWest, as a bank, we have a tremendously diverse base, which is why we need diverse people building our tech for us. Yeah, and I think that's a hugely important point, and I bang on about this all the time, and I know many other people do as well, but how can you possibly um, build a product that is going to serve, as you say, you know, something that's supposed to be generic, so a bank account? The classic example is, of course, the iPhone, when they build Apple Health and they didn't put a period tracker in it you know that well, yep. but clearly there was no woman involved in any of those decisions because that would be the first thing that a lot of women would have wanted um, so I think I think it's uh, you know we, we talk about this importance for, for kind of products and services and that that I think also probably worth mentioning here as well that by that diversity we don't necessarily just mean gender it's I think diversity of background diversity of thought process diversity of educational background uh, you know all those things can make you can make you look at things differently um, so I just I just want to make the point that whilst we are talking about women today and celebrating women, that, that there are other forms of diversity as well that we've got to remember to include. Absolutely, which is why on the Rose Review we're really clear about the economic impact. You know, this is a huge underserved population. That's why it's important for all the banks to rally around it. And in fact, that's why Treasury is so interested in the review <laughs> itself, because um, in, in an economy which is not um, necessarily where they're trying to increase productivity, there isn't that much slack. It's extremely important to to be able to find these populations that can start adding value to the economy. It's good business sense. I mean, you've got 51% of the population who aren't being served. Give them a product and you're going to start making money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, I may not... It's there for the taking, guys. <laughs> um, all right. Well, with that in mind, let's, let's have a, a think about maybe some of the good news stories that are out there. So... Um, are there any are there any leaders you'd like to call out in diversity of this industry? Are there any women in particular that you guys would like to call out as as people who are exemplary in terms of whether that's through sponsorship or you know actually acting upon what they they say? You know the Rose Review and, and RBS and obviously Alan Alison Rose is one. Are there any others that anybody that spring to mind? I don't want to choose any favourites. We just put two hundred out. But yeah, that's probably, <laughs> Come on, uh, you, no, no, no. You abstain from choosing from that list. Um, exactly. No, no. And, okay, maybe it's a slightly unfair question, but maybe, um, or perhaps maybe we could look at it from the lens of like, what about some of the products and services then that have come about because they've had a different lens on them, or, or you know, a female-led company that people think is making a huge impact other than Tukan. <laughs> but I think you know when you look at when you look at Tukan and others, you know I think you anything where you know, we always call fintech is about democratizing financial services. You know, so actually you know it's been proven that women you know or young girls come out of education less financially literate than boys. Yes. Um, you know 80% of finance is taught by you know parents. 10% self-learned, 10% from schools. It's not being done within the school education system, which is a problem. And there's, you know, banks doing amazing work, you know, like NatWest, about, you know, going into schools and inspiring that generation. But we've got to look at that. Now, there is this opportunity as we go to digital apps. Guess what? You know, those boys and girls are using, you know, are using those apps at a very young age, are very tech savvy. You know, people coming now through, you know, into uh, you know, 11, 12 year olds have grown up with a smartphone. And so how do we use the fact that it's democratized on a phone and an app and whatever that looks like to sit there and use that to educate people? 
And I think you, we were saying you know, sort of knowledge is power and empowering people around financial services. I mean, mental health, you know, mental health statistics is you know, so four out of ten. I think is you know, mental health issues is actually caused by by money issues. Yeah. So I think you know, for me, anything we can do to make it that it's gender, you know, gender agnostic doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and actually, you know, the young girls, young boys have the access to that, and we use them to educate them financially. I think is such a powerful tool. I think there's quite a lot of us, I mean, everyone around this table, really excited by that opportunity mm-hmm. and say, let's take the tech piece of this, let's apply that into finance and let's, you know, let's inspire them, but let's educate them and make sure that they are going through school into college, university or straight into the workplace with financial education. Because we have to do that, to, you know, to inspire the next generation. Then they'll choose the careers. I find it very baffling as well that, um, in my experience, an awful lot of households, it's actually mothers, women who are actually managing the day-to-day household budget. So they're yes. the one who is doing the shopping. Have we got enough money for school clothes? Can we afford a holiday? Oh, my goodness, the washing machine's broken. They're actually doing that day-to-day management. But then when you do all these surveys, you know, they're talking about confidence, that those women have no confidence, that they actually know how to handle finances, even when they're doing it on a day-to-day basis. And it does make me think there's an opportunity there for, as you say, technology to come in and say, look, you are doing it. You're doing it and you're doing it right and you're doing it well. Have confidence in your ability. And then, you know, they will feel more encouraged, I suppose, to talk to their children about it, particularly their daughters. Maybe that's one way of doing it. Um, I, I cut you off there when she was there. Something else you wanted to... No, I was just going to say that probably one of the ones that we don't talk about enough are some of the heroes out there who are investing in other women, mm-hmm. I think. And and um, it's difficult to name names. Similar to you, Charlotte, I think I, I would go on forever. There'd be 200 that I'd run out of time. Um, but, but probably, for example, one company that I absolutely love, I was just speaking to her yesterday, was um, Sarah Turner from Angel Academy, who's CEO and founder of Angel Academy. And she took a different approach in, in terms of investing in female founders. So she set up a syndicate to invest in female-led tech companies only and um, because she thought it made perfect business sense to do so. Now, in her journey, she realized it wasn't enough to just form a syndicate and invest but also she found that she actually had to run workshops to teach women about how to invest Mm -hmm. what's involved in the process and I thought that was fascinating that you know you you don't hear VCs running workshops for other um, people to this is how you would invest as a VC. Um, so, so which, which is why what, what I think what she does is, is so admirable and so amazing and why she's invested in so many very um, profitable and amazing female-led tech companies. So so that's probably a, a hero. And there are so many more who are like that, who are out there helping, um, flying the flag, helping um, the female founders raise capital, I think, <laughs> as Evelina and I were talking about before the show as well. Um, so... Those are probably some that definitely need because very much like you were saying, Sarah, you got to follow the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we can we can all do things for philanthropy purposes, but when you're when you're talking about an, uh, an industry that is literally all about the money, um, then you know, making it make business sense as well. This it seems like an obvious way to, to start forcing through some change. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite excited about the VCs. You know, you know, this has been you know, over the last nine, twelve months. We have seen such an influx now of VCs yep. coming to us saying, actually, we have an amazing network. You know, how do we sit and tap into that? And we want to proactively find more female-led, female-founded businesses. And we are seeing, you know, whether that's an Anthemist, Octopus, 
bolder to passion, mm-hmm. you know, um, augmentum, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. And they're coming to us and, you know, the powerless this year for the first time was sponsored by a VC house, Schindervik out of Sweden, who said, we want to go and find more the female-led businesses and they tend to mm-hmm. invest on the upper end. Um, you know, so it just shows you there is a definite shift in that, you know, the spotlight everyone's had over female-led businesses. And, you know, there is a slight naming and shaming of some of these VCs who haven't been as proactive I think that's changing now, and we are definitely seeing that change. We've noticed it internally of how many investors we're now working with on this. Yeah, I mean, we, we have Anthemis. Um, we've had various people from Anthemis on these various shows, actually, and they are incredibly um, vocal about their support of women as well. So they don't just do, they don't just talk about yes. it, and they don't just do it. They do both, and that's both are important, I think. And that's probably where, uh, I think that's the thing. It's following where the money goes. Uh, and what it is is that there's been this tremendous trend over the last few years about social impact investing because that's what um, people are, are looking to do more of. They're more conscious. And, and VCs respond to that are very much, mm-hmm. well, if someone is going to invest in it, then I want to be the one to take that money and manage it and invest it for them to make my fee. So, 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 um, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, and what we also find is that social impact causes in terms of companies and portfolios to investment are heavily populated by females, mm-hmm. which yeah. is probably where that is starting to come out, which yeah. is good. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, no, I was just uh, surprised uh, reading that uh, even Atomico has put together a 800 million fund for yes, the... Yes, they have. Yeah. <laughs> for for so, female-led businesses. No, it's more for social impact for and social impact, for good. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but that's a trend that's not going anywhere anytime no, soon, as, as it shouldn't. Um, all right, so we're getting towards the end of the roundtable. So at this point, I tend to ask sort of, you can either say sort of, you know, what advice would you have for, for young women entering or wanting to enter the fintech space? Um, I know you have a daughter, Charlotte, so perhaps you've already practiced these lines at home. My, my focus group of one, as I call it, yeah. <laughs> um, or, or, you know, and maybe that relates to something that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your, your careers in fintech that you didn't and you want other people to know who were thinking about getting into it. I suppose it doesn't, you don't have to be a young woman, it's just... What do you need to know if you're a woman who's thinking of making these moves? What advice would you give? What mistakes shouldn't you make? Yeah, get a better degree in the mind probably. But uh, but I, I would say, you know, as I would say to my, my daughter, you know, go and change the world. doesn't matter whichever way you change it. Change it in some way that you can look back and be proud of that. And that doesn't matter where you where you can do that. Um, I think the opportunity is there. It's going to take, you know, sometimes it becomes a confidence issue, sometimes it becomes a role model issue, and some people just get on and do it. But never actually be put off by what you did do. You know, if you didn't quite get there with your exams, you know, guess what? A lot of these founders and some of the best valuations coming out now are for founders who did not go to university. Mm-hmm. In fact, and that again is a proven statistic. Maybe they're just a bit more driven. Um, so, you know, whatever the background is, you try and get your digital skills, you know, go and loan those, that's going to make it easier. But if you haven't, go and find something you're passionate about and you want to go and change. And guess what? There's a very wide range of careers within the fintech sector where you can go make that difference. And I think the more that uh, women um, think think like that, you know, go and change the problem that you've seen, you have the power to solve this problem that will encourage more women to go into the entrepreneurial side of things as well. Absolutely. Uh, Wincy, how about you? Any words of wisdom? Do you, you don't have so a daughter, do you? You haven't many. practiced this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I have so many, but 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 probably what I would say is is very similar to Charlotte. You know, um, world's your oyster, reach for the stars. I would say that um, 
I would encourage girls to think about tech in a different way. I think too often, uh, and I see this a lot, um, so I, I lead the Enrich Education Workstream for the Tech She Can Charter, which is focused on education of 10 to 13-year-old boys and girls uh, about future careers in tech. And one of the things that I often see is at the start is um, their thinking of tech is just, oh, you're locked in a dark room with coding. no friends, coding. And, and it's more than that. It's more about what tech empowers you to be able to do. So if it is social impact, if it is, you know, um, if it, whether it's fashion or floral design or anything, tech does have a part to play in it. So I would encourage um, everyone to understand it, to get a, a grip on what it is. I mean, one of the reasons I was very successful, even as a chef, <laughs> I would say, um, I know that's a little bit setting outside, is because I understood fintech. I knew how payment gateways worked. I knew how to um, integrate, you know, the, the APIs into my website in order to collect tickets. Whereas other um, people who are in the, who are also doing the same things I was doing in terms of cooking and chefing and supper clubs, they were actually um, giving away 10% of their revenue for third parties to provide that service to them. So, so it's, it's, um, that's what I would say. So no matter what it is you would do, there is an aspect of exchange of hands and money and understanding how that works and how that process um, will do nothing but help you. Brilliant. Avelina, how about you? Any advice? Yes, uh, I would say two things. The first one, and they're all related. Um, the first one is be bold. So ask for mentorship, ask for sponsorship. There is a, a book that I really like. Uh, it's, the title is Ask Outrageously. So ask outrageously. You'll be told no a lot of the times. Don't get discouraged. Just move on and ask mm -hmm. Ask for more. <laughs> and then the second one is related, which is have confidence in yourself. So anecdotally, when a woman sees nine or ten requirements for, for a job or, or to start a business and she's like nine out of ten, she's like, oh, my God, I'm not good enough. And, and when a man checks six of the boxes, they're like, I'm clearly the best person <laughs> to do this. So, <laughs> so be confident um, and, um, yeah things will, will, will go your way if you're bold. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might not always go your way, but the, but you will learn enough from it on the, on the way yeah, that you will like be a better at the end of it. Yeah, it's more like you will find a way. Yeah. I think, uh, I think women's resilience is still to this, days, uh, to this day undervalued. So there we go. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up today's discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you, your companies, uh, any of those initiatives you've mentioned? Um, Charlotte, how about you? Um, so for the company, www.innovatefinance.com and I go under the Twitter handle at Crosswell. And if you want to find that Women in Fintech Power List, where would you look? Um, so again, on, on Twitter, at Infin. Perfect. Wincy, how about you? So in terms of the Rose Review, we were able to launch an update report on the progress we've done over the last year. It also includes a glossary of um, an entrepreneur's journey in the appendix. So you can see all the different aspects of funding if you are so one of those people who are looking for uh, different types of funding for your business. You can find more information about all of that at rosereview.org. Um, in terms of myself, find me on LinkedIn, Wincy Wong, or my Twitter handle at Wincy Wong. Perfect. And Evelina, how about you? So our website is usedtocan.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter under Inria, <laughs> but better find me on, on LinkedIn or evelina at usedtocan.com. 
brilliant. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Kajansky. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to join the discussion, find us on social media or at Fintech Insiders on Twitter or find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope and YouTube. We would love to hear your thoughts on everything we have just discussed. Just search 11F. As usual, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you really, really love us, do leave us a review. That's all for this week. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.